It's a new year, but ministry leaders still struggle with the same old challenges. Let's talk about it with Heather Clark on Steve Brown, etc. He's an old white guy, an author, broadcaster, and seminary professor who's sick of religion. And he's brought friends. Please welcome Steve Brown, etc. Hey guys, we're glad you're here and you always have a place at our table. I'm Steve, the aforementioned old white guy, and Matthew Porter is here. He's our executive producer. Matthew, make any new resolutions for the year? Well, Steve, here's the thing. Why make new resolutions when the old resolutions are still in mint condition? (laughs) That works for me. I hadn't thought about it that way. Undisturbed. Speaking uh, of the new year, our producer Jinx is in his little glass booth. His resolution is to make sure that we don't drop the ball. Any other ones, Jinx? Making all my stuff works. <laughs> Preparation. Always be prepared. Always be prepared. Right behind the eight ball. And uh, your New Year's resolution is have the microphone closer to your mouth. So when Brown says something, you can. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Our video director and one man IT department, John Myers, is in his tech bunker. By the way, just so you know, uh, John is bringing some exciting changes to the show starting next week. I can't wait for you to see those changes. I think you'll be surprised. You may not be surprised. I think you'll be pleased, but then again, you may not be pleased. (laughs) Dr. George Bingham is the president of Key Life. George hopes that everyone's troubles last only as long as their New Year's resolutions. (laughs) And Kathy Wyatt is the soft feminine side of the program. Kathy would do New Year's resolutions, but it's really, really hard to improve on perfection. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, Matthew, what do you want, my friend? (laughs) What do you want? (laughs) Kathy, I bragged on you yesterday, too. We have a great guest today, and I'm glad she's here because I need help. And she's the (laughs) ideal person to whom one like me, I'm a religious professional, if you didn't know that. Uh, And Heather is the person of the moment to do therapy with me. And by the end of this broadcast, I will be fixed. She holds a Ph.D. in clinical psychology with special emphasis in health psychology. In addition to her counseling private practice, Dr. Clark serves as an adjunct professor at Knox Theological Seminary and serves in women's ministry at her church. Heather's also a professional speaker, and her new book is called, which I hold in my nicotine-stained fingers, Minister Well. 
And I've been spending the morning with this book, Heather. And I don't think what you wrote is just for professional religionists. This is some good, practical advice for everybody. So before you turn off your radio dial or turn off your computer and the YouTube connection, you might stay around because you're going to get some practical wisdom that'll work for you as well as ministry leaders. Heather, this is a hard time for ministry leaders, isn't it? It is. I think it always is, but it has been, especially as people have come to church more in the um, over the last few years, even if that was virtually, but people have been seeking because people have been hurting. And so that's when people come more and they come to ministry leaders, especially before they come to mental health professionals. Actually, we know that. Um, so that's the first line uh, Absolutely. of, of first defense line. in terms of these kinds of things. I'm sorry. First line, they yes. they stand there and usually see the people that will see you after the ministry leader has screwed them up. <laughs> well, or or when the ministry leader has has met the edge of what they can provide, which makes a lot of sense because I'm a mental health professional and they are vocationally called to ministry. So there yeah. there there's a difference in training um and a big part of the difference is not just in how to treat mental illness or everyday difficulties that we go through, but it's also in how to take care of ourselves because mental health professionals go into this knowing, you know, we think we're going to have a career in this. So that means day in and day out, people will come and bring their burdens and we will get to see front row their success through that and how God grows them through that. Nonetheless, tomorrow there will be more people at the office. Mm. And so um, that is not what people that are vocationally called to ministry are primarily trained for. And, and when, and I'm so glad that you said it's not just for vocationally ministry, vocational ministry folks, because it's really not. Um, I started it that way. I started the book that way as a newsletter, actually to ministry professionals. Um, and along the way, so many people that received that newsletter month after month, would say to me, Heather, why is this just for them? This applies to me. This applies to me. And so really it's, I think of myself as I'm somebody who cares for people who care for other people uh-huh. because that's ministry. So school teachers and missionaries and parachurch leaders and parents and employers and the, the, the baker that cares for me at Publix, you know, we're <laughs> all in ministry. Um, and so, yes, it really does apply to anybody. Do you think that, uh, and especially this applies to ministry leaders, you know, we're called to be servants. We're called to put up other people first. We're called to look after them. And we sometimes forget about ourselves and our own families who need that ministry and help uh, and compassion and understanding and sensitivity. Sometimes we don't do that to ourselves or even our families. Is that true? It's almost an epidemic amongst ministry leaders. It's um, we hear about pastors burning out all the time. 
Yeah. And, and folks, there's different stats on how much people really are leaving ministry as a vocational calling or not. Nonetheless, um, they are often put in a position to choose between the family that God has brought them at home and their friends and their family of origin and the family they serve in their church family. And, and it puts them in this great place of risk because they're not getting the support they need. It's, it's very much the oxygen mask on the plane example, right? That they have to put their oxygen mask on in order to be there and serve us in order to do what God has called them to. And yet often they are um, made to or expected to, or maybe even think themselves that they're supposed to suffer in silence. When I was teaching seminary, excuse me, when I have taught the seminary classes, it is so common that as I get into this and talking about taking care of themselves with my students, that they'll say, but, but, but we're here to serve. That's what we do. And it's almost like I have to convince them often as they are beginning in ministry that you have got to learn these things now, or you have a very short-lived career <laughs> in ministry. You know, we have around 4,000 pastors on our mailing list. And so I spend a good bit of time, probably not as much as you, but a good bit of time with pastors crying with them and laughing with them and talking them through some of the things that they're facing. And uh, I've said on numerous occasions that, you know, I did the pastor thing for over 25 years and uh, I can get to heaven without grace. I, you know, they won't even ask about Jesus. Just the fact that I survived and my nose was barely above the water suggests that I'm an awesome, super Christian. And if you believe any of that, you believe <laughs> anything. And I finally hit the wall. Mm -hmm. uh, I crashed. And nobody knew except my wife and some of the people on our staff sensed it happening. Uh, but I was going through a really tough time and eventually resolved that by, uh, and if you've got a deep voice uh, and, uh, and, and people think you're together and you can fake it well, so nobody knew. Uh, but when I hit the wall, I resigned. I said, I can't do this anymore. And I told Jesus that mm -hmm. I signed on for life, but I just can't do this anymore. And Jesus told me I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. And I spent a year dealing with the kinds of things uh, that you're talking about in your book. And they ring so true with me. And I need to be reminded, by the way, the title of this book, and you ought to get it if you serve anybody, any place, any time. It's called Minister Well. It's by Dr. Heather Jordan Clark. And we're talking to her on this edition of Steve Brown, etc. And we're going to return because this is really hard work. It takes periodic places of rest for us to just get through. But like Jesus, we'll return. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. 
At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of $4. for joining us. Uh, We understand that your time is valuable. And when you take an hour, and a lot of you do, to spend with us, that's a high and holy compliment. Uh, We're talking with Dr. Heather Clark, and her new book is called Minister Well, uh, 52 Tools for Ministry Leaders. And before the break, I was doing sort of a mini confession about when I hit the wall. Mm -hmm. I fake it well. And so, you know, if you have a deep voice and you can talk with a glib tongue, people think everything's fine. And it wasn't fine. My life was coming apart. I was traveling 150 days a year, writing a book a year and doing broadcast and trying to be a good pastor. And uh, I'm not equipped for that. I all of a sudden realized that everybody told me I was, but I don't know what I'm doing. And I think I'm hurting people. And that led to thinking about me and that led to depression. And that led to jump off the bridge. If I could find one fast enough. Uh, Do you have some help for me, Heather? (laughs) Well, I, I mostly want to thank you, actually, in all sincerity for sharing that. Um, the very first um, media or thing I was ever on was a, a radio program, and it was specifically to appeal to pastors who are the listening audience saying, please get help. That's, that's what I was asked to come on the show and do. And the reason for that is because it's such an underserved population because mostly Um, pastors are trained, don't tell anybody about it because you're leading everybody else. And there's something about that that's not okay. Um, And, and they believe that themselves too. Like I'm supposed to press on. I need to be there for everyone else. They are servant leaders. And so they, they put other people first. Um, We could insert a whole lot of talk about boundaries here, but they, they put everybody else first and, and ultimately burn out in various ways. And it's, there's no research anywhere that shows us that pastors are any less susceptible to depression, which is about 8% of the population in any given year. Uh, 30% of the population will experience a diagnosable level of anxiety. They have substance abuse problems as their marriages are falling apart. Their kids are typical kids. Their teenagers get into trouble. They have health issues they have to deal with. All these things, just like the rest of the population. And yet somehow there's this expectation of and by ministry leaders 
that that's not true or acceptable. Mm. And I think that that is such a service that you are sharing that um, because the it perpetuates itself when other ministry leaders get together and they see the people they look to, the leaders that lead them, the pastors that pastor them, and they think, I'm not allowed to fall apart. There's a chapter in the book that I, um, uh, many of the chapters re- speak to this, but one that's called um, Gotta Keep It Together, and it's a quoting a country song where um, the singer is being told, you know, go wash your face, keep it together. And even though her life is falling apart and there's a certain insincerity, falsehood. I'm trying to think of how strong a word I'm allowed to use here. Well, lies would be a better word. Lie to that because what is that even telling their staff and their family and the congregation around them? Hmm. You think that's changing? That's changing some though. I, I'm finding more and more today that there is an authenticity that's going on in the church um, that was not there before. I mean, I you were not allowed. And that's also true with the pastor's family. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it's universal, but I think there is a major shift. And, and pastors and ministry leaders and missionary leaders I speak for a lot of mission organizations, and I'm finding that missionaries are who are considered the super Christians are beginning to uh, be honest about some of their struggles and things like that. It is it is improving, thank God. But I think it will continue to improve the more people have that open place for it. The yeah. people where people are told you don't have to wait until you use your sabbatical for just getting yourself back together again um that you don't have to wait all the way to that place and so regular uh wellness checkups or staff care workshops maybe i can tell you about those later but um things that along the way take care of ourselves which is exactly what christ himself even modeled for him that for us that it was his custom to get up early and to have his time with god that he was regularly taking care of his humanness Mm. while he walked this earth. And we just go, 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 go. And then we say, it's okay. We still love you. We understand you hit your wall. Why do we have to hit the wall first? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Matthew. Yeah. Heather, first I have to say, I love the title. It's kind of like secret genius because there's one sense of minister. Well, as in minister with excellence and then there's minister well as a minister from a place of wellness and big hall. So the word nerd here really appreciates that. Um, <laughs> another, you know, we, we, we had the, the trauma of the last three years and then kind of the, the trauma that comes after that of like dealing with that stuff. We have, uh, you know, the, what we've just talked about where there's the pressure to kind of soldier on. Another thing I've heard about recently is kind of lack a lack of friendships among mm-hmm. pastors um and even if they have friends certainly you it, you really need somebody who's a peer who can understand the life um have you seen that is that is that a contributing factor as well to kind of this crisis 
Absolutely. Um, do you mean in the general population or specifically well, ministers? Specifically for for ministers, it seems like you know there's there's a there's a problem, there, and you you can offer part of that solution, and counselors can, but there's this kind of jamming, you know. So it just mm-hmm. seems like it certainly doesn't help the situation. Mm-hmm. And for ministry leaders. In particular, I'm I'm speaking to a panel of ministry leaders. It's what you do. Um, But so you all know this, that uh, it's a very lonely occupation um, because it's very isolating. I I started these newsletters in this book when I was actually vocationally in ministry myself. And um, and what I realized was literally a couple hundred women had my personal cell phone number (laughs) because of the church. And so I was with people all the time. Um, And I'm a really social creature, you might expect. And I loved that to a point. But what I also realized was I was very rarely, did I have the time or make the time to be with the friends that like just nourished my soul, that I could just be with them and be easy and not plan anything and not have the, the little game we're going to play or lead the prayer or whatever it was. And so one of the things I often advise ministry um, professionals to do in response to that loneliness is form some friendships where they take that ministry hat off, where that is yeah. not what people call them. Hold it right there and we'll, uh, we'll pick up where we left off. That's called a teaser in the profession. Don't go away. From Key Life comes two mini books. What do you do for a living? And Life After Retirement. What do you do for a living by Justin Holcomb addresses the problem of defining ourselves by what we do and how we perform in our work instead of by who we know, a gracious, loving God who defines who we are. Life After Retirement by Steve Brown examines how those transitioning from work to retirement often experience a loss of purpose in life and how the quest for personal significance can best be answered by God's radical grace, love, and purpose for our lives sufficient to carry us through this transition. What Do You Do for a Living and Life After Retirement can help guide people struggling with either work or retirement. These two Key Life mini books are available through keylife.org for a donation of $6. Hey, we're so glad you're with us. We're uh, we're talking with Dr. Heather Jordan Clark, and she's a psychologist. And one of the main areas of her ministry is with ministry leaders. She is uh, a professor at Knox Seminary and uh, teaches uh, people who are going to be more religious than they are right now. And by the way, she speaks in a lot of different places. So if you're looking for somebody for your church or your organization, Heather, how can they get in contact with you? Uh, DrHeatherClark.com. DrHeatherClark.com. 
Yep. I did lots of different speaking, but the the one that I think is most uh, that I had the most fun with and most relates to what we're talking about right now is staff care workshops. And it's an opportunity to not just teach the tools, but to even interact with people and give the staff that opportunity of the right now we're going to take care of you right now we're going to serve you and get, give you a little time off. So like right. little mini retreats and so to speak. Okay. You guys, you uh, think about that. You couldn't do better than having Heather at your organization. We were talking about friendships on the other side of the break and you were talking about how important that was. And then in our discussion during the commercial break, you were talking about what psychologists have and the phrase does not fit often with ministers. Bring that up too. Well, so the phrase that I brought up to you was uh, it's called being an impaired practitioner that you want to avoid being an impaired practitioner and whatever way that is that you're being impaired and that it is generally on the professional to tend to that, to have the self-awareness of, am I impaired right now to provide the service that I am meant to provide? Uh, And I don't think ministry leaders are taught that um, to generally, to take note of that, to say early and often, you know, I need to take this Sunday off, or maybe I need to cut back on some of these meetings and teach one of the younger people on staff how they can take over that part or whatever it is, um, so that I can continue going on with quality and excellence, providing what God's called me to Mm. in their own role. And a lot of times that what God's called them to that can fall by the wayside is their family. Um, or their own friendships. That's where we were talking about their own friendships. And it is just so important to have that. I love that Jesus even demonstrated that he had not only his 12, you know, he had the thousands, but then he had, so he had paparazzi, but then he had 12, right? He had his committee, Presbyterian. So he had his committee. Um, and, And then he had his three guys, and, and ministry folks will say, well, you know, everybody's my best friend. I got to make the same time for everybody. No, no, no. You don't. Where is that exemplified even? You got to love them all. But there is a difference and it's okay. And we're, we need to have those relationships and know that, again, it was modeled for us to have those relationships and time to just kick back and be there and not be concerned about wearing the pastor hat or the pastor's wife or the preacher's kid or any of that and just be because these are the people they're going to love you anyhow and you're going to serve better good stuff george uh heather you have a excuse me a chapter that's um, titled What to Do When You Don't Know What to Say. And there are, uh, you know, for somebody who's been in ministry for a long time, they probably kind of have the phrases, they kind of have the sensitivity, they know how to fake it, you know, if they aren't quite sure. But for people that are new in ministry, and and maybe even uh, for lay people that end up in situations where they're, you know, they're trying to help, they're trying to be a part of the church and and be with people that are grieving or going through tough things. What um, 
what are some of the kind of the tips or, or things that, that stand out uh, for people in that situation? Um, the, the emphasis of that chapter basically says there's not a simple thing to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you don't know what to say, there's not a simple thing to say. Um, so I'll try to say that now. But <laughs> <laughs> simply, please. <laughs> but, um, the simple answer then really is um, quick to listen. Quick mm-hmm. to listen, slow or don't speak. It was the best thing Job's friends did for him. They came, they actually physically, it's described to us, they sat down with him. So there's some behavioral things, which every chapter talks about spirit, mind, and body. And so there's some behavioral things. So just physically be present with somebody. Do like I'm doing. Lean in. Be present with them. Eyeball to eyeball. Don't You don't need to do big demonstrations. So that is one piece of it. And know that that presence, the ministry of presence, is so profound. Um, but the next piece is be very quick to just listen. Just listen. Oh, that's so... I wrote a book once titled How to Talk So People Will Listen. And I had a friend said that I ought to write another book, How to Listen So People Will Talk. (laughs) We don't listen very much. If you don't know what to say, don't say it. Mm -hmm. Just be there and listen. Yeah, good advice. Folks, we're going to back out, rest up as always. Put some gasoline in our engines, and we'll be coming back so we can minister to you. Don't laugh. It's a joke. It was irritated when the electricity went out. No television, no music, no Netflix. Then he discovered that the battery on his smartphone was dead. He decided to make some coffee, but when he went to the kitchen, he realized that without electricity, he couldn't even do that. Then he noticed his wife in the kitchen, and he sat down and talked to her. He said later, you know, she seemed like a very nice lady. I know, I know, technology's good, but sometimes... Go talk to somebody face-to-face. You might be surprised how nice and real they are. It's messy sometimes, but Jesus would like it. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. Hey, thanks for joining us. By the way, uh, 2023 is the year of the Key Life app. It's available for both iPhone and Android, and it puts all of our shows, videos, and articles right in your hands. You can uh, check it out at keylife.org slash app. And uh, we're talking to Dr. Heather Clark, on today's program. If you're just joining us, you missed some really good stuff. Uh, We're talking about the difficulty of ministry leadership and some things 
practical tools that uh, that we need in order to get through. Kathy? Heather, I'm sort of um, fixated on, on uh, two chapters, 15 and 45. Um, I wanted you to... Um, to talk a little bit about 15, which is titled, you're not burned out. You're just bitter. And then I thought, (laughs) no, I really don't want to hear about that, but, but I really do. But the other one, I just wanted to make a comment about and find out if you were sort of thinking the same thing in 45, you're talking about, and I think this is true as members of a congregation, as well as the minister per se, but that one says helping your congregation through unavoidable separation. And I think everybody knows, you know, obviously you have to be living under a rock. Everybody knows what's transpired over the last few years and people, you know, not being comfortable being in the church and and everybody seems to be understandably so I'm not minimizing it at all, but understandably focused on how do we get people to come back? Or if they won't come back, how do we do better at reaching out online to get to them, etc. And so this group of people who for some very legitimate reason have left, have become the focal point of attention. It's kind of like the bad kid in class that gets all the attention and the kid that does everything right and is well-behaved is just overlooked because they're never a problem. So what about the people who have hung in there and stayed at church and, and uh, you know, and are carrying the load, so to speak, have had to step in to do multiple additional responsibilities because there aren't as many people as there were before doing all the stuff that people were doing. I just like, you know, to see if you, if, am I barking up the wrong tree with that? But then after that, you don't have to say much about that. Then I want to know about the bitter part. <laughs> so the the first part um you are saying what to do about the folks that have stuck it out yeah because i feel like you know there are people there are a number of people that i know who are, are kind of have articulated just in the last few days i've talked with people who have experienced burnout because they're the ones that have been doing everything now for we're coming on to three years of all of this, you know, and, you know, how do we be an encouragement to them? Cause you know, maybe church is never going to look the way it did, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, prior to this, I don't know. Well, I think you might've just said the answer um, is it might not, we certainly can't think things are ever going to go back. We've all lived through a pandemic now so it's not going to go back and some of that's very good thing you know things like podcasts and zoom calls and you know like have taken off during this time so i think one of the things then to really focus on for ourselves in church um and and with the folks specifically that you're talking about that been carrying this load and we're just going to get through and we're just going to get through is to instead come to a place of accepting that we're no longer just trying to get through and sort of settle in to Now, this is normal now, and there are people that attend church at home, and there are people that attend church here in person, and and then we need to adjust what we're doing. And so sometimes the people that we're talking about are volunteers. Very often, they're the volunteers, right? Um, But the more that a group of volunteers acknowledges the same thing and says, you know, we don't need to do double time to try to make up. We need to just be here and be what the church needs right now. Um, 
that that would be, I think, a, a very helpful perspective is let's accept what we've got right now as this is the church and then um, commit to a, a way of moving forward that is healthy for mm. all those people as well that are that are currently there. And, so and it may be a blessing in disguise. It really could be. Yes. And there, there have been many of those, but because other people have stepped forward that maybe never would have before. So we've got new people volunteering too. Right. Um, but this idea of let, we have to make it what it was before is, I, I think, ill, ill thought, ill conceived. Yeah, that's good. By the way, there are some people I'm glad didn't come back. Uh, <laughs> if, you, if you say Nobody I said that, now. I'll say you lied. Uh, Kathy, you want you had that other question. Oh, yeah, I just wanted her to touch on. Well, actually, I really didn't, but I brought it up. So you're it's 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 a great chapter title. You're not burned out. You're just bitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, it's I'm looking real quick. Sorry, there's a. When you write 52 chapters, exactly. How do we talk about each one? Keep them Um, all straight, Heather. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A piece of what I write about in that chapter is that first and foremost, it's really important to get real with God in that season. Um, So we've talked some today about um, being able to be real with other people, but all throughout scripture, uh, God never tells us that we're supposed to hide our crazy or that we're supposed to hide our emotions. In fact, I love that he makes it very clear to us. You can't anyhow. So give it up. Um, and so the quicker we can go to him and, and say, Lord, I've had enough. I love that Elijah says that. I love that those exact words are in scriptures. Lord, I've had enough. <laughs> um, I love that. And so, and, and in that place, God ministers to him by bringing him actual physical sustenance. And so given that this book is written to religious leaders, ministry leaders, um, there is a possibility sometimes of um, over-spiritualizing what is going on in our lives. And so in that moment, I just am encouraging, be real about what you're feeling. Your emotions are not sinful. The scriptures are filled with emotions. Um, and what is sinful, though, is not taking them to God and trusting him with them. And yeah. so we have to acknowledge it first. It's like the AA model, right? First, know that you had, admit that you have a problem. And we all do. They're called emotions. And take them to God and then take back from him the care and keeping of your physical being and and let him minister to you in that way so that you can get back in and do what he has called you to do. Good stuff. Great. Yeah. You may still be bitter, but at least you can say it. And <laughs> you uh, can say you it and you're not it, alone in it. <laughs> we're know? sick of our secrets. Hey, Heather, we're out of time, and I'm sorry. This hour has gone by very quickly. What you're doing is very important. Uh And this book is very important. It's not a book uh, that is so deep you can't understand it. It's practical, it's doable, and you'll find it's helpful. Heather, I hope you'll come back sometime because you're fun to have. God bless you, girl. Uh, Thank you. Thank you all for having me, and thank you for what you all do. 
Hey guys, we're going to come back for a short period after the break and we'll tell you who we're going to do it unto next week. So don't you dare go anywhere. Hi, this is Eric, producer of Steve Brown, etc. If you've been listening very long, you know I'm a struggling believer, and I'd love to share some things that have helped. At Key Life, we believe that the deepest message of the ministry of Jesus and the Bible is the radical grace of God for sinners and sufferers. And we have four mini books that'll help you believe that no matter what you've done or what you're going through, God's not mad at you. Feeling Guilty, Suffering, and Faith and Doubt by Steve Brown will help you apply healing biblical truth to where it hurts the most. And my mini book, The Gift of Addiction, How God Redeems Our Pain, shows that coming to the end of ourselves is actually the beginning of faith. These four mini books are in the Grace for Sinners and Sufferers mini book combo, and it's available at keylife.org for a suggested donation of $12. They're also individually available for a suggested donation of four dollars. It was a good hour with Heather. Uh, some really good and practical and basic advice. Sometimes it takes a long time for a person to get over a Ph.D. (laughs) She obviously did that quickly and she's practical and you can use the stuff that she says. That book is called Ministering Minister Well, uh, Tools for Ministry Leaders. Um, And, you know, I think her point about you got to look after yourself. And using the metaphor of an airplane, when they tell you to use the action, the the oxygen on yourself before even your children, or you won't be able to help them, is probably good advice. You can take that too far. You know, you can say, you know, I am the king and I will look after myself I'll do what I want to do and the way I do with the people I want to do it with. And you don't get a vote. And once you reach that point, you need to stop looking after yourself. (laughs) There's this thing about washing feet. There's this thing about he who would be great among you must be the smallest. There's the thing about being a child There's a thing about I have sent you uh, into the world. Go and make disciples. So don't set aside ministry altogether (laughs) if you're called. I think you're crazy if you're not called, if you're trying to do it. But if you can't get out of it and you got to do it, do it. But also look out for yourself because that's important too. And Heather reminds us that was good stuff. Kathy, who's going to be here next week? Next week, we have um, Nicole Abyssinio on our program. And um, 
Matthew, you want to tell us a little bit about that? We are in uh, a month of recognition of uh, human trafficking. And so Matthew was able to secure this one for us. So I'm going to let him tell you a little bit about it. He's an actress, producer, and this is a very interesting TV series that uh, debuted right before Christmas on uh, Pure Flix. Um, she's a smart go-getter kind of gal and it's interesting that she's in front of the camera and running the show behind so it should be a pretty 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 good show oh man sounds really good guys you be here next week same time same place and between now and then don't do anything we wouldn't that gives you a wide wide berth <laughs>